Well, it is so good to be, to be together with you this weekend. And for those online, we're so grateful to share this time with you. And if you're new with us, whether you're online or in the room, we're so grateful that you chose to allow us to be a part of your weekend. And we have a gift for you. If uh, you're online, we have a gift for you as well, as well as those in the room. And if you're in the room with us and you're new with us, uh, at the end of the service, if you'll just go back to the welcome table and a host would be there and they'd love to give you a gift for being with us. So uh, there's a connect card in the seat back of the chair in front of you. If you'd fill it out and just give it to them, we'd love to give you a gift for being with us. Also, if you're online right now, they're posting a link to a connect card and we'd love to connect with you and uh, give you a gift for uh, joining us today. Hey, Westside, let's give all of those online and those new with us in the room today, uh, just let them know how grateful we are to share this moment with them. Will you do that with me? Yeah. Yeah, we're so grateful. Uh, so today we be in this series, uh, we finished this series called Burn the Ships, where we've been looking at the series Big Idea. So if you have your notes, let's jump right in right here. Um, this has been the series Big Idea we've looked at over the last several weeks, that we experience true freedom and fulfillment when we completely trust in Jesus as our Savior and wholeheartedly commit to following Jesus as Lord. This is when we experience the freedom, when we we completely trust him as our savior and we commit to following him as our Lord. Now, we use this metaphor, burn the ships, from the, uh, the legend of Hernan Cortez when he ordered his troops and his men to burn the ships to keep them from looking back to the life from which they came and to keep their eyes on what the promise was in store and what was in store and what was to come. And so in this, we've looked at this idea of burning the ships and we've looked at several ships that we needed to burn, uh, some ships that reflect and that, that actually not reflect, that restrict us from experiencing the freedom and the fulfillment that Jesus came to bring us. A freedom that when Jesus said this in John 8, 32 to the Jews who believed in him, he said, if you hold to my teaching, then you're my disciples. And he said this, some of the most famous words that Jesus has ever quoted, sometimes the most misunderstood words that Jesus has ever spoken. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, it's not just knowing anything you think to be true. It's knowing the truth that Jesus teaches. It's his teaching. It's his truth that sets us free when we hold on to it. And when you hold on to it in the midst of difficulty, that's when you know it to be really true because that's when you experience this freedom. And not anyone can experience the freedom that Jesus came to bring. Only those who believe that Jesus is God, those that trust in Jesus as Savior, and those who follow Jesus obediently as Lord, they're the ones that experience this freedom. See, many people follow Jesus in his teachings. There are many people that say, I, man, I, I follow Jesus' teachings, but only when they're convenient and not in conflict with what they want. Only when they're convenient and not in conflict with the way of life they want. See, those who only trust in Jesus or follow his teachings when it's convenient and not in conflict with the way of life we want, they don't experience the freedom that Jesus came to bring. See, freedom only comes by holding on to Jesus' truth, even when it's not convenient. In the face of the conflict of what it, when it conflicts with what I think and, the, and what I want to do. And when we receive Jesus as Savior, when, when we surrender to Jesus as Lord, we experience more than just a freedom. Jesus would say we experience fulfillment. We're not just a freedom from the curse of sin, but there's a fulfillment, a fullness of life. Jesus would say this in John chapter 10, 10. He would say, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. 
He almost gives you, he, not almost, he gives you the enemy's intent. The enemy's, uh, this is what the enemy's mission is, to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come. And Jesus says, I have come that they may have life. And that includes you. You're part of that they. They may have life and have it to the full. See, this truth shows us the enemy's mission, and this truth that Jesus speaks of shows us our Jesus' mission. See, you and I are the target of the enemy's mission. The enemy wants to kill and destroy your relationship with God. And for those of us that have our trust in Jesus, when we're trusting in Jesus, the enemy cannot steal our salvation. He cannot destroy that, that the relationship with God. He can't steal that salvation, but he can steal our joy, and he can steal our fulfillment. He can rob us of our joy and he can, and, and, and our peace if we allow him to. And this is why you and I must look at this last ship. This is why we must look at one more ship. It's a ship that sneaks into the harbors in our minds and into our thinking. It's a small ship that, that, that is so small, but yet it has big command. It can command the whole fleet and have control over our freedom and have control over our fulfillment. And it's a ship of worry. And today, we're going to burn the ship of worry because worry will rob you of your joy that comes in Christ. And worry will, it will rob you of your peace. It will imprison you in a land. It will imprison you in the land what I call what if. You know what the land of what if is, right? Well, what if this happens? And you know, as soon as you begin that, it begins to take another step deeper into this land of what if. Well, what if that happens? And all of a sudden, we're in this land of what if, and there is no freedom, there is no fulfillment, there is no joy, and there's no peace in the land of what if. See, as soon as we begin to enter this land, as soon as we begin to worry and enter this worrisome land of what if, our joy is taken hostage, and our peace is imprisoned. And today, we're going to burn this ship on worry. And now... In order to burn the ship on worry, I, I need us to go back to something that many of us know to be true, but I just, we just need to state this, and it's so important to our faith. See, we can trust that every word Jesus says is true and life-giving because Jesus came back to life. We have to understand that the resurrection of Jesus, and maybe you're not a Christ follower today, and you're wanting to know why do we trust in the Bible? Why do we trust in scripture? Why do we trust in these words of Jesus? Because the resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus is the evidence that his words are true. And if his words are true, he said, his words are truth that sets us free, and his word is a truth that is, brings fulfillment. He came to bring us a full life. And we need to trust his words. We need to hold on to these words like he teaches. And we need to believe these words, act on these words, because when we act on those words, that's when Jesus says, then you're gonna know this to be true. And that truth is what's gonna set you free from living in the land, the worrisome land of what if. So let's look at G how Jesus talks about worry today, because Jesus directly addresses worry. And many of us have maybe missed this in, as we've read the Gospels. In Luke chapter 12, we're going to begin here, where Jesus uh, directs his disciples on, on, on worry. And he says this, when you're brought before the synagogue ru synagogues, rulers and authorities. So he's talking to them about a time when he's not going to any longer be with them. They're going to be on their own. He goes, they're going to bring you before the temple rulers, you know, the, the, the religious elite. They're going to bring you before the rulers and authorities of the land. Do not worry about how you will defend yourselves. 
For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Now, let me ask you a question. Because I think we've been in the disciples' shoes at one point or another. Have you ever done what you ought to, even though it cost you, and you were worried about what people would think, or what people may do? Did you ever do, like, and, and you knew, man, I, I'm worried about what people will think when I stand up for my faith, when I do something that I know honors God in a culture that dishonors him, in a company that dishonors him? Do you ever get worried about what people will think? Well, Jesus was preparing his disciples for that type of a moment, and he told them, don't worry about defending yourself. You don't need to defend yourself. Don't worry about defending yourself. And this is a teaching and truth that we also need to hold on to. See, trust that the Holy Spirit is with you. And when you don't know what to say in those moments, man, I, I worry because I just don't know what I'm gonna say in that moment. Well, Jesus gives us preparation his teaching that is true because of the, we know because of the resurrection of Jesus says when you're in that moment, trust that the Holy Spirit will give you what you need to say. He'll teach you in that moment what you are to say. So don't worry about it. Don't worry about defending yourself. Moments later, Jesus would say this to his disciples. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Okay, Jesus, now you just went a little too far because I have made my living worrying about my life. I mean, this is exactly what I do. And nobody worries about my life better than me. <laughs> he says, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. And then he just makes a simple point to tell us how valuable every one of us are. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap, yet they have, and they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Let me read that again. Let me just ask that question again. Hey, which of you that are sitting here today, which of you that are watching online, can add an hour to your life by worrying? And the answer to that? is none of us. I mean, that's the answer. And then Jesus finishes it, since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Jesus says, don't worry about what you're gonna eat or what you're gonna wear. And in this, Jesus identifies two core things that we as humans, we worry about. We worry about what's gonna sustain us and we worry about what's going to protect us. And Jesus says, do not worry about your protection and provision. Do not worry about what you're going to eat or the clothes that protect your body. But we worry about those things all the time. I mean, this is really what we fill our minds with, our worry. I mean, we, we're worried about protecting our image on social media. We're worried about just protecting our, our reputation around the office. We're worried about protecting our kids when they're at school. We're worried about protecting our marriage. We're worried about protecting our finances so we put money in a better bank account. We're worried about protecting our future. We're worried about providing for all these things. We're worried about protecting our health. Our relationships, our family, we worry about preparing and providing for the future. And, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't have money in bank accounts, we shouldn't have insurance, and we shouldn't have, um, have uh, stocks or bonds, okay, or uh, a 401, 403B or 401K, whatever you have your money in. I'm not saying that. What I'm talking about is what Jesus says, 
Don't worry about it. Worrying and being prepared are two different things. Worry is actively participating in the things that create anxiety in your life. But we need, and we need to know something. In Jesus' teachings, you need to know this. Jesus does not suggest you do not worry. He commands it. He doesn't suggest, hey, you know, this is something to consider. Do not worry. No. He says, if you're going to follow me, do not worry. This is a command to follow, not a suggestion to consider. Do not worry. But why should we not worry? Well, Jesus tells us this in verse 25. He says, worry, and these are my words, not his. Worry works against you, not for you. Who of you? can by worrying add a single hour to your life. It doesn't work for you, so don't waste it because that's what worry is. Worry is a waste. Now, another one of Jesus' parables, if he hasn't been clear about it now, he adds another aspect of what worry does. In this, Jesus, it's a parable that, where Jesus emphasizes why we shouldn't worry. And he does this through sharing a short story about a farmer who's spreading some seed. And he talks about four different types of soil. This is a parable Jesus likely shared more than one time. So it's not just like he had one time to share it. And actually three of the four gospels contain this parable that Jesus said maybe at different times in his teaching career. It's a parable of four different soils where this farmer casts seed. And the first soil is a farmer casts seed on a pathway. And here, it's a hard pathway that has become hardened, the top of it. There's no soil that the seed can get into. And it's a path where the birds come on to the pathway and they eat the seed that has been sown there. The next soil is where the... Farmer throws a seed out and the seed, some of it falls into rocky places where there isn't much soil. There's not much soil so the, the, the roots can't go down quickly. But however, the root, the, 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 not the root, but the, the plant grows quickly, but it doesn't have a deep root. And therefore, because it doesn't have a deep root, it dies. Other seed falls among thorns. And when the plant grew, the thorns would choke out the the plant, the crop, and, and, and it wouldn't bear grain. It would choke out the plant and it wouldn't bear the grain because the thorns. And then last, the fourth soil was good soil. And when seed fell in it, the, the plant grew and he, Jesus says it produced a crop that was 30, 60, and sometimes a hundredfold what was sown. The disciples were like, okay, Jesus, why are you telling us this? I don't, I don't understand what you're telling us. And maybe you're like, Casey, why are you telling this to us? And Jesus addresses the disciples, and because it's been in Scripture, we get to have Jesus address us. And he tells us, he tells them this. When he was alone with the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables, he told them the secret. I don't understand, I don't know if you understand what Jesus is saying. He goes, the secret, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. And I bet the disciples were like, leaning in. I mean, isn't this great? Jesus is giving the disciples and giving us the secret to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of life, a kingdom of fullness, a kingdom of joy, and a kingdom of peace, a kingdom of freedom. And Jesus says to them, don't you understand this parable? Because if you don't understand this parable, how then can you understand any parable? This is a key. This is the secret to understanding the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to say, the farmer sows the word. Some people 
are like seed along the path. So he says, the seed is the word. See, if you don't understand this parable and how you are in this parable, you're not gonna understand all the words and the stories of Jesus. And the seed, the first farmer sows the word and some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seeds sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others like seeds sown among the thorns hear the word. But the worries, they hear the word. But the worries of this life the worries of your life, the worries that occupy your mind. And not only that, the deceitfulness of wealth and desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. And others are like seeds sown in good, seeds sown in good soil. This is the fourth soil. This is the type of people we need to be. This is the type of people he wanted the disciples to be. They hear the word, they accept the word, and they produce a crop, sometimes 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Now, John is the only gospel who doesn't share this parable. And in Luke's account, Luke says that the worries of life keep them not from being uh, fruitful, but he uses a different word that it also means uh, fruitful, but he, he uses a word that in our English is translated mature. It keeps you from being mature. See, when the worries come in, it keeps you from being mature. Because isn't that what a, a, a mature apple tree? What do you expect from a mature apple tree? Fruit, apples. It's not mature if it doesn't produce fruit. Jesus says, if it doesn't produce fruit in your life, you are not mature. And the enemy, see, the, the worries come in and, and, and choke out the truth of God's word and keep us spiritually unfruitful, spiritually immature. See, worry keeps us from maturing and being fruitful in God's kingdom. This is what worry does. And, and, and the enemy may not be able to steal your salvation. He may not be able to do that, but he can keep you immature. He can keep you unfruitful and he can make you ineffective for the kingdom of God by just giving you something to worry about. It's his greatest trick. Satan's great, one of his greatest tactics on Christians is keeping us from maturing in our faith by giving something to worry about or keeping us unfruitful in our faith by giving us something to worry about. And the way he does this is so clever. He gets you to magnify your thoughts on what you're worried about and take your thoughts about, away from who God is. And Jesus is on a mission. He's on a mission for you to experience his freedom and his fulfillment, to experience joy and to experience peace. And while the enemy wants to keep you from maturing and being fruitful, Jesus wants you to experience the fruit and the fulfillment of following him. See, the secret to experiencing the freedom and fulfillment of being a part of Jesus' kingdom is hearing God's word, accepting it, and obeying it so it can produce fruit 
in you. This is the secret to Jesus' kingdom. See, mature people bear fruit, and we have love, we have joy, we have peace. We have patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is all the fruit of the Spirit, as Paul would tell the church in Galatia. See, mature people also not just have that character in us, mature people multiply the gospel through us. See, mature people bear seed, and that gospel, now we bear seed, and we share the truth of the gospel with others. But if you're worried... You can't share the truth of the good news with others. And when we do, though, mature and we bear fruit, what is sown is 30 times, 60 times, 100 times over what was sown. And here's the beautiful thing. The disciples, they took this command seriously. Those disciples that were there with Jesus, they took this command to not worry seriously. They wanted to bear fruit for Jesus and his kingdom. They did not worry about their life. They didn't worry about their provision or their protection. When they entered the synagogues, the temples, and they entered under the rulers and the authorities, they did not worry about defending themselves. They only obeyed Jesus and they said, I am not going to worry, do not worry. And according to church history, they didn't even worry in the face of death. These disciples heard God's truth. They accepted it and they obeyed it and shared the truth of the gospel with the world. Andrew, who brought the five boy with the five loaves and the two fish to Jesus, he would go to the land of man eaters, which is now the Soviet Union. Christians there claimed him as the first to bring the gospel to their land. He also preached in Asia Minor, in modern day Turkey, and also in Greece, where it's in Greece he was said to have been crucified. Do not worry. It is said of Thomas that he spent most of his time in the area of Syria, east of Syria. And many say that he went as far as India. The ancient Marthoma Christians honor him as their founder and have claimed that he died there at the hands of four soldiers. Do not worry about your life. Philip is said to have gone north of, to North Africa and then Asia Minor, and after sharing the gospel of, with the wife of the Roman proconsul there, leading her to trust in Jesus, the proconsul had a Philip arrested and then cruelly put him to death. Do not worry. Matthew, the tax collector and writer of one of the gospels that we have, actually the first gospel as we open up our New Testament, he was an evangelist in Persia and in Ethiopia. And the oldest of reports say he was not martyred, yet other reports contradict that saying he was martyred there in Ethiopia. Do not worry. Bartholomew, a missionary whose travels went quite broad, including the areas of Ethiopia and Southern Arabia. There are several accounts of how he was martyred for the gospel. James, the son of Alphaeus, is known to have ministered in Syria. Josephus, the first century historian, reported that he was stoned and then clubbed to death. Do not worry. Peter and Paul became the apostles who would plant the most churches in and around Israel and in this Greek-speaking world. History says both of them were martyred in Rome, possibly in the same year of 66 AD, during the persecution under the emperor Nero. These disciples did not, did not take this as a suggestion. They took this as a command and they took this seriously, very seriously. And I want you to look at the kingdom fruit that God brought 
through their lives. You and I gather here today. You and I gather here today. Thousands of years later. Because these disciples took a command seriously. Do not worry. They encountered a resurrected Jesus who gave them all the reason to look at every situation they go through and they could possibly enter into. And they could say, in the confidence of their faith in who Jesus was, God, Savior, and Lord, that I will not worry even in the face of death. So, are you ready to burn the ship of worry? Are you ready to burn the ship of worry? So no matter what you face, you can burn this ship and you can experience the freedom and fulfillment God has for you. Can you burn the ship on worry so that generations to come can experience a faith because there is a generation of people in this generation that did not worry? And if you're ready to do this, I wanna look at the, what the Apostle Paul tells this church in Philippi on how we can, can, can burn the ship of worry. And while he's in prison, Paul writes these letters to this church in Philippi. And he says this to them, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And then he says, do not be anxious about anything. And if anyone had a reason to be anxious, it was Paul, beaten, imprisoned, left for dead, shipwrecked, stoned. He knew the things that he had to worry about. But he could say, do not be anxious about anything. So how do we not be anxious? Paul would say, but in every situation, every situation, like when you send your kids to school, that situation when your spouse goes on that extended business trip, when the bill comes in, when you feel the lump behind that, in that area that you never felt the lump before, when you get accused of doing something that you didn't do, in all of those moments that create anxiety, do not worry. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. By prayer and petition, talk with God. This is your communication with God. You can appeal to the God of the universe. You can appeal to the God, the creator of all things. And you can do it in writing. You can do it in cries. You can do it out loud. You can do it quiet. It doesn't matter. Just do it and do it with thanksgiving. Always being grateful. And why would Paul say this? Because Paul experienced something. And he would say this, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Paul would say, man, if I could explain it, I would. I just can't explain it. It's a peace that is unexplainable. That peace of God will guard your hearts and guard your minds, which is where all the worry takes place, all the anxiety takes place. And guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And Paul could have dropped the pin there, but he doesn't. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. See, Paul tells us how we can burn the ship on worry. 
But first, to burn, before we burn the ship, we gotta flip the ship. We gotta flip the ship. We gotta flip this, the, the, the worry. And, and, and because all, you know what worry is? Worry is participating in anxiety. anxiety. We can't control the things that make us anxious. You cannot control what makes you anxious. You can only control how you respond to the things that make you anxious. You, you, none of us can have control over the things that make us anxious, but we all have a response and we can control our response. That when we feel anxious, this is an indicator that as soon as you feel anxious about something, it's an indicator that you need to flip this ship and we need to burn it. As soon as you begin to worry and you go into this land of what if, what if this happens, what if that happens, you need to use that what if as a trigger to flip a ship and burn it, that we're gonna flip this ship and we're gonna, we're gonna flip and turn this worry into thanksgiving. We're gonna flip this ship and we're gonna turn the what if into what is. And we're gonna, this is the teaching big idea that I want you to know. But I don't want you just to know it in any other way. I want you to know it in a Casey way. It's something that I've done and I've teached this message for maybe 10 years now, maybe more. And every time I teach this message, it goes like this. Come on, everybody's gotta participate. I ain't gonna let you go unless you do this with me. Here we go, feet on the ground twice, clap once. Here we go, it's like we will rock you all over again, right? We're gonna rock our worry by flipping the ship and burning it. Here you go, you ready? Flip your worry into worship. Flip what if into what is. Online too, flip your worry into worship. Flip what if, come on, say it out loud. Flip your worry into worship. Flip what if into, one more time. Flip your worry into worship. Flip what if into what is. See, when you begin to worry about your marriage, we're gonna flip this ship and we're gonna burn it. We're gonna flip this worry and we're gonna turn it into thanksgiving. We're gonna turn it into worship. We're gonna make our God bigger. That the, He's a wonderful counselor. You can go to your wonderful counselor when you need counsel. You can go to him and you can thank him. When you begin to worry about your finances, you can go to your almighty God who has proven himself over and over and over again that he can provide and meet your needs. And you're gonna flip your worry into worship, flip what if into what is. And you're gonna flip that ship and you're gonna burn it. As soon as you begin to enter the land of what if, as soon as you begin to think about a what if statement, it's gonna be a trigger that I need to flip my worry into worship, flip what if into what is. Because as soon as you begin to worry, you're not going to let that because it's a command Jesus gives us to not worry. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but with every situation, with thanksgiving, we're gonna flip worry into worship. We think worry, flip worry into worship. The way we can flip this is first we flip fear into faith. We flip fear into faith. Worry is driven by fear. Actually, worry is actively participating in being afraid. It's, it's you're afraid something's going to happen. I mean, this is actually what worry is. I'm afraid this is going to happen. And let me just tell you something about fear. You may have, take you a second to get this. Fear is actually faith. Fear is actually faith in that which you fear. You're afraid this is going to happen so much that you're going to prepare for this, that you're going to actively participate in worrying about this. And it is actively, it's faith in that your fear is bigger than your God. One lady gave me this little connect card in the first service. She says, when my, my worry begins is where my faith ends. It's so true. Because at that moment, your worry, you believe it's more possible than the God of the impossible. 
So we got to flip our worry and flip that fear into faith. When I worry and I'm afraid something's going to happen, I have more faith in what I fear than I have in my God, who is bigger, who is stronger, and who cares more for me. And it can bring me through anything. So what we're going to do, we're going to transfer our fear into faith in the God of peace. The God who is with you because he cares for you and wants to be involved in your life. We're going to flip our fear into faith in God. And we're going to flip our worrying into praying. As soon as you begin to feel anxious, pray about it. See, our natural response is to go into this land of what if. We begin to go down the what if trails. And as soon as you begin to take that habit, habitual pattern in, into this, you know why you, you need to realize why you're doing this. The reason we go into the land of what if is because we want to control it. That's what we do when we worry. We feel we have more control when we worry about it. But worry is false control. It is pseudo control. If we think about all the what ifs, we think we can then control the outcome. But we forget that worry is a waste. It's futile. And so we need to flip worrying into what's not futile, praying about it. See, when I begin to worry, I begin to pray, God, I give everything and everyone to you right now. It's how I flip it. It's God, you are so much bigger. You're a God who is the creator of the universe. And when I am worried about my health, you created me. You built me. You created, you, you know everything about my life. You know everything about my wife. Or, and you know everything about my loved one who's in the hospital. You are there. You are in control of it all. And I give everything and everyone back to you. And then I appeal to him because he's the one who's capable. I am not capable. And so we flip our worry into worship and flip what if into what is. And we flip controlling it into thanking God in the face of it. The more we try to control, the more we actually worry. And those who feel like they need to worry more and control more, the, the, the ones who have the most controlling attitudes and nature about them, I, I say this because I am one, we're the ones that are most worried. And instead of trying to control something or someone, thank God for those in your life and thank God for all you have. And then flip the what ifs into what is. And begin with this one. If it's not true, I need to flip it. Because everything in the land of what if is not true right now. It may be possible, but it is not true right now. So flip those what ifs first into what is true. You may not know. It may be possible, but it is not true what the outcome of that diagnosis is. It may, it may be possible, but it is not true what the outcome of that decision that that board is going to have, and it includes your job. It may not be true. It may be possible, but it is not true right now. And so don't actively participate in something that is not true, because only truth does what? Sets us free. So flip the what ifs into what is. And as soon as you begin to enter the land of what if, flip your worry into worship. And flip what if into what is. And I want to ask you one qu final question before we pray. If you can trust Jesus with your salvation, which is the impossible, can you trust Jesus with this thing that you're worried about? And what is that thing you're worried about? And I want you to fill in the blank. There's actually a blank for you to, this is personal to you. If you can trust Jesus with your salvation, the most impossible thing for you to ever have, 
because you can't earn it. Only Jesus could come in and earn this for you. You could not be right with God in your own effort. It is impossible for you. In fact, Jesus would say, it's more possible for a camel to go through the little eye of a needle than it's possible for you to have salvation. But with God, all things are possible. And if you can trust Jesus with your salvation, then you can worship Jesus through you fill in that blank. What is it for you? And as soon as you begin to worry about that thing, let's flip a ship and burn it. We're gonna flip our worry into worship. Flip what if into what is. And then the God of peace will be with you. And maybe you're here today and you want the peace of God, but you can say, Casey, I've never had a relationship with God to experience peace with God. I want you to know that you can step into a relationship with him by simply putting your trust in Jesus as your savior, following him as your Lord. And as you follow him, you can experience what we all get to experience, the freedom and the fulfillment that Jesus alone can bring. And the God of peace will be with you no matter what you go through. And there is nothing more fulfilling. There is no greater joy than that right there. The question is, will you flip the ship of worry and will you burn it and experience the peace, the joy, the freedom, and the fulfillment that he brings you through his resurrection and us trusting in his words, taking this command seriously. Do not worry. Will you bow your heads and let me pray for us? Father, there's not one of us in this room that is exempt from worrying. We all have our triggers. May we notice those triggers and may as soon as we notice those triggers, may we flip the worry into worship and may we flip the what if into what is. And may we experience that peace of God that nobody can explain, transcends anybody's understanding, guards our hearts in our minds, keeping us from going further into the land of what if and experiencing the peace of God and the joy. And more importantly, it gives us maturity and becoming like you and allowing us to be a part of your kingdom impact to where people see our life and it bears fruit 30, 60, and even 100 times fold. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our prayer